Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. They called him the hammer. That was his nickname. He used to, you know, he used to put a lot of seats, people in the seats, apparently, because as soon as they dropped the puck, he'd just grab somebody and start feeding them, you know. And he was drunk on the ice a lot, is the stories I hear. You know, he'd put a 40 down before the game. They'd go out, drop the puck, and he'd just go toe-to-toe with somebody. And apparently he wasn't a very good fighter. He got beat a lot, but the crowd used to love it. You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey player. I idolized Dominic Kaczyk. I played goalie because of Dominic Kaczyk. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as the team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry. I'll hang up and listen. I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off-limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 36 of Two Goalies, One Mike. I'm Johnny Cullen, joined alongside Dwayne Snell. As always, Dwayne, how we doing, bro? Buddy, it has been a hell of a few days. Uh, pretty good day, and I, depending on how you want to look at it, this past Sunday for Buffalo sports fans, Bills with another W, division rival with the Jets. Uh, was an ugly win, but a win's a win. And then obviously we know two big signings for the Sabres, uh, locking up two of our bigger RFAs with one left still looming. Yeah, and uh, real quick on the Bills note, I know this is a, a hockey podcast, but you know, one Buffalo, as, as your best friends, the Pagulas would say, Dwayne, it, it was an ugly win, but a famous man once said, they don't ask how, they ask how many. So chalk up another W in the win column. Um, you know what really got me really quick on that? Josh Allen quietly threw the 300 yards, um, did what he needed to do, but that touchdown that they called back uh, from Gabe Davis for the illegal formation – Looking back on that, I saw some breakdowns of it. That was fucking horse shit. Yeah, you know, I don't get you know, I, I I hate he stuff checked, like that. He checked little... with the he checked with the official that he was he was he was close enough to the line of scrimmage to be good. And I've never I haven't heard an explanation to why that penalty should have been called. It's just if that that, that touchdown happens, we win by 10 plus points, everybody's happy, right? Exactly. You know, and here's my thing when it comes to penalties, if the penalty is away from the play and literally has nothing to do with the outcome of said play, then why are we throwing a flag like that? That's and it goes to any playing football. It just really grinds my gears, man. It really fires me up. And that that play with the Gabe Davis, that, that touchdown that was called back. That was just one example. I don't know. Did you see that? Uh, <laughs> did you see the Sunday night game, Seattle? DK Metcalf. I saw pieces of it. I was going back and forth between that and the World Series. 
did, did you did you see the interception? Oh to yeah, that DK Metcalf, his run back that was impressive. Like a horse, dude. Like a he, horse. It was, was insane. Buzzing, buddy. Like like, I I would love to know what he tell what speed he topped out at. Because I know exactly. Part. I think um I don't I don't know what his speed, but I do know that he was just holding down the uh, the right trigger for uh, speed burst. You know what I mean? That's insanity. Like. Like that was, that was crazy. Um, what a what an athlete! That man is a machine. It, he he is like like even pre draft man. Some of the pictures they came out with him, the guy is just like he's shredded. He's jacked. Like, like Drago jacked. Like Drago jacked. Like the guy is huge, and just like I I, I was a big DK guy. You know, going into the draft, I was disappointed when we uh, passed up on him. Even more so disappointed now, seeing the type of receiver he's ended up. You know, granted, he has the probably the MVP of the league throwing to him. Yes, that helps. But, but you know what? But, you can't be mad the way the say, uh, Bills receivers have turned out. We're looking no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'm a big Stefan Diggs guy. Um, oh, who is Beasley has turned out to be quite the weapon. He's you know quietly what? on pace for a thousand yard season, Beasley. Yeah. Um, you know, broke his career high with that last game or tied his career high, 112 yards. You know what? Uh, impressive stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping the, the Bills needed that. They needed, didn't matter how, did they didn't they don't ask how, they ask how many. Needed to get back in the win column. But I'll tell you what, our schedule doesn't get much easier. It's a shitty, no. shitty year to play the NFC West. Uh, we got games against Arizona, Seattle coming up, and San Francisco. All three are really good teams. That's going to make that Rams win even that much more important. Because if you blow that one, you hypothetically looking at your, your team going 0-4 against the West. But um uh, big game coming up, and uh, we'll look forward. We'll do a little uh, mini uh, Bill shout out here each week. Um, yeah, but moving on, like you said, um, the the Sabers. We talked in depth last episode about three of the you know you could argue core players going into arbitration with all Mark Reinhardt and Olafson. Um, and there's a lot of hypotheticals being thrown around. Me and you were playing around with numbers. Um, it helps now with the numbers that these guys got signed for. So I wanted to talk to you a bit about that. Um, Sam Reinhart was set to have his arbitration on Tuesday. Uh, earlier on Sunday, he signed a one-year $5.2 million deal. We'll start there. I know we had talked right after it happened. I was happy with it. Wanted to get your thoughts. Go ahead. Well, I mean, how can you not be happy with it, man? Um, I think this, this is a great deal for both sides. Very fair deal. Um, you know, with the current uh, state of the league, state of the world um, right now, you know, with no set with a salary cap staying staying flat and not going up, and with so much uncertainty, even the following year, I mean, the salary cap could go down. So you don't, you, you know, the trend was you didn't really see any long term deals being signed in free agency. Um, I mean, other than Petrangelo. Um, so with you know, with that being said, like this, you know, you you still have Sam's. Uh, rights after this season he's still an RFA you still control him um you know so I, I I love the deal man you know and I know a lot of Sabres fans are bent out of shape it's like well, why didn't we lock him up you know for long term when he signed that bridge and like listen the guy the, the guy when he came off his bridge deal was uh coming off his I think it was his first was, it was his first 50 50 point season ever like you know I don't see at that. I mean, I remember a lot of people were excited when they signed that prove it bridge deal. I was one of them. Um, you know, you're, you're trying to gauge Sam's worth there. 
And you're not necessarily trying to open up your checkbook for a guy who, who was a second overall pick and is just now hitting that 50 point plateau so many years into his career. So I don't disagree knowing what we know now. Yeah, sure. You wish you would have signed him for 6 million a year back then, but well, at the time, you know I don't disagree I with advocate it. with you. And I, I feel the same way. You're taking a big risk um, with signing either way, right? Because when you sign him that bridge deal, you're, you're taking the risk that fuck, if he proves it and shoves it up our hoop, we're going to be paying more down yep. the line. Right. Yep. As opposed to the people that disagree and say, we should have locked him up then. Well, listen, anything can happen. Injuries can happen. You can get a guy like Taylor Hall to sign, have a guy like Olofsson come up because you, you have guys that you need to pay coming up like Darlene, like talked about Olsen. I, I don't mind how they played it. I think Kevin Adams has done a good job. This is another, another one that, um, you know, Reinhardt very well could have, could have been awarded, you know, in the 6 million range. So oh, I sure. think that this, and me and you talked about this, I think you brought this up in our conversation Um Letting this year play out with a one-year deal at 5-2, um, you have Taylor Hall coming in. I think this leaves the door open to sign Taylor Hall next year if he if he proves it and if he earns it. Um, not saying that it's either or, but I think if you lock Sam up here long-term, you'd be hard-pressed to be able to spend an over $7 million on a winger after that right so now i love sam i'm a big i'm a big fan of his i like how he's able to get to the dirty area he's a great net front power play guy i think that's a lost art in today's game um but like you said in our conversation Dwayne, i think it's smart to avoid arbitration um as much as you can because it's a shit show man it can go either way we've seen it time and time again it's you know did that arbitrator wake up be feeling team friendly or feeling player friendly uh, because you're taking the power out of your hands this way. Kevin Adams gets it done on his terms. Um, you know what? Here, Sam goes out. He has a great year. I don't think the race is going to be that much higher. I think at the best, let's just say he has a, you know, a 20 goal year, 70 points, whatever. That'd be great. If he signs a six and a half, I can live with that. Where that puts us down the line for Taylor Hall and Darlene. I don't know. Uh, I'm not that much of a cap geek, but yeah. I like it. I, I think it's a smart move. And like I said, I'm a big Sam guy. Yeah. You know, I'm not, a, I'm, I, it's not that I'm not a Sam guy, you know, um, I, we've had this conversation a few times, man, when it, you know, this gives you the ability to, you know, evaluate the situation, you know, come, come at the end of the season. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, it sounds like Taylor Hall wants to be a Buffalo guy. He wants us to work out and he wants us, you know, you know, you know, sign his next deal here. I mean, that's just what I, what I gather from listening to the guy talk again, that could all just be, you know, him just saying all the right things, you know, players do that. But from what I hear, it sounds genuine. So this gives you the ability to evaluate the situation. Who's going to give more to your team at the end of the season. And like, I've always been a big advocate. I know Sam does all the little things, right. I know, I, I, I know that analytics say that the guy can drive his own line, um, you know, from the wing and, you know, but my, my big thing is, if that is the case, and we all know, and I, and I wrote about this on, on, on trainwreck.com, trainwrecksports.com, is that if Ralph Kruger is, when you listen to this guy speak, you know, he, there's not many more coaches in the league, I feel, that know more about the, the, the importance of analytics, you know, in sports. I mean, the guy went and, went and took over a professional so, uh, soccer franchise in Southampton uh, over in uh, the Premier League. So he know he knows his shit. Um, he's made a living off of it. So you know what what I keep circling back to is if the analytics say 
that Sam Reinhart can drive his own line, then why wasn't he driving his own line last season? Well, Rather, he's the strongest of teams. And, and obviously when you have a team that's has such a, like we were, we were top six heavy and bottom six light and that it's very easy to defend against that. You're, you're constantly playing against the other team's best defensive players. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know? And so, so for me, it's just like, there was so much, there was so much of a drop off between your first and your second line. And you had a guy playing out of position at center, Marcus Johansson, you, you weren't getting secondary scoring. And, you know, we all, we all know that Jeff Skinner could come right back up to that first line. You could probably kept Victor Olsen up there on the, on, on, uh, on the, on the, on the right side. And, you know, you probably could have still got relatively the same offensive production. We saw the emergence of Victor Olsen last season. You bring down, you, you bring down Sam to play on the right side of Marcus. You bring a guy that who supposedly can drive his own line and you have two scoring lines there. You have two responsible scoring lines. When we didn't do that, now we only have the one scoring line with Jack Olsen and Sam. And I, it, you know, it just, you know, I, I know it just didn't drive me nuts. It drove a lot of Sabres fans nuts. So that's why I keep circling back to that is you know, when it comes to opening up your checkbook for a long-term deal, like that's what bothered. That's what kind of, I keep getting back to is we need a guy that, you know, if, if, if you can't, like, if you can't constantly keep having him on the right side of Jack, can he go down to the second line and be as effective or, or more effective because, you know, theoretically, you know, in theory, you would expect him to perform better against weaker competition. I agree. And I think that with the addition of stall, I think that it, it's, he's going to produce regardless. Right. I yep. think it might almost be in the Sabres best interest. If he goes down with stall has a great year, but perhaps doesn't get as many points as he would playing with Hall and Eichel. Now hear me out. So I think this is a win-win for both, both sides. Okay. We yep. get him in at 5.2 and, and just let me point out. All right. For all the comparables for him, when you look at, you know, who he's like, who, who has similar goal totals to him, names Dylan Larkin and Nikolai Ehlers pop up. When you look at who shares the same amount of assists, Gabriel Landis, Cogfield, Forsberg pop up. When you look at who has the same amount of points, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Bo Horvat. All those are great players, right? And all those are good comparables. They're all making more than Sam, and they all have a much higher percentage of the cap hit. So that's why it's a win for the Sabres. Why I think it's a win for Sam, okay? He's making much more than he did the past two years on his bridge yep. deal when he averaged about $3.7 million, right? Yep. So that's nice. He's getting a 40% raise in his salary. Other than that, if he plays with Jack and Taylor, he's on this one-year prove-it deal, right? He's going to be making money, whether it's here or whether it's elsewhere. Even if we hold him hostage with his RFA rights, he can say, fine, if you don't – he's going to have the all the ball – the balls are all in his court right? Because he could say either sign me to a long-term deal or, okay, I'll take your qualifying offer and then I'm fucking out of here. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about next year. So, I mean, I think it's a win-win and, and for a guy like Sam, I truly want to believe that he wants to be in Buffalo and he wants to be a part of this, writing this, this, this ship, the chart, writing this wrong, turning the ship around. So I like it, man. And uh, you know what, like we talked about, we can't ignore the fact that, you know, coming into this, you know, we didn't know what, what the total between him and Allmark would be. And between both of them, that's seven lower than we thought. Yeah, much lower. And it, it leaves us a little bit of breathing room with, with Olofsson here, you yep. know. And maybe, we'll get to it in a little bit, maybe another piece, all right. 
before we move on too quickly, just want to talk about Omar quickly. Um, this came almost down to the last minute, 12 hours before the arbitration was supposed to happen. We lock him in for 2.6. What are your thoughts there, buddy? I love that price for him because uh, er, a few days prior to that, we uh, the report came out uh, from Elliot Friedman that the saber the Sabers were at 1.9 and um, Olmark and his agent were at 4.1. So, I mean, that's how the game's played in arbitration, right? That's how that's how you play the game. Um, so you know you, you, the player sells high on themselves, the team sells low, um, and you know with that with that being said, you know. Um, what did happen here? There we go. I apologize. <laughs> um, with that being said, um, you usually read right, right, right around the middle. Um, so, you know, uh, 2.6, that, that's a big win for Buffalo. Um, I've, said it, I've said it a hundred times. You know, I am not in favor of paying your goalie a lot of money, especially especially a young goalie like Olmark. Um, especially when you have all market hut and you don't want to be having a chunk of your salary cap be between those two schmelts. And I say schmelt nicely. I mean, one thing, and I'll let you finish, but the two of them, the duo, I had high hopes and they both had hot streaks, obviously injuries and (laughs) poor eyesight have been, uh, you know, Achilles heel. The, the two of them, they have a 62, 67 and 17 record with a 907 save percentage and a 2.99 goals against average. Those are not playoff caliber goalie numbers, okay? Well, now, with that being said, I think they both have a lot to prove this year. And I'm going to go on a limb and say, if goaltending continues to be a weak spot for us and we're, we're close enough to contend by Christmas, I think you're going to see a move be made. I, You know, I agree. Um, I think at least from the backup position, I think there should have been a move made. And here's the thing, like, you know, we all heard that, you know, Hutton, you know, was having issues with his eyes last season, which is bananas to me that if the team knew about that, that they didn't get that sorted out right away. Yeah, that's, um, that's a big question, Mark. Yeah, that is that is a question that should be looming out there and should be answered. Um, but, you know, if, if, if Carter Hutton can play to the caliber of goalie we saw um, during that first 10 game winning streak a couple years back, then I'm completely fine going in with both these goalies, but that's a big question mark. Um, with that being said, I wish they would have brought somebody in to back up, you know, you know, a little bit more capable to back up, uh, old Mark, um, who can come in and play 20, 25 games a season and be solid to probably get you a bit better than a 500 record. Um, you know, I was, I was pretty high on Corey Crawford, you know, I know he went elsewhere. So, you know, that didn't play out to uh, play out the way we wanted, but you know, with that being said, there are still names out there that, you know, that could be available. Ryan um, Miller pops out to me, buddy. Who? Ryan Miller. He, he stole the words right out of my mouth, man. Um, there's a lot that plays in that too, at least from Ryan's side, you know, his family has the roots set where they are. His wife, you know, his wife lived there to begin with. He still has roots here, but I know what you're going with his wife. You know what I mean? So it's like, do you really, especially with the, with the situation the world's in right now, does he really want to uproot his entire life to come back to Buffalo, you know, for, you know, an unknown amount of time um, to be a backup to Omar? You know, I feel like, you know, if the team were further along, he'd absolutely be for it. 
um, because I think winning a cup does mean something to him. Well, that's why I say if it comes down to Christmas time, we'll have a much better. I, I, you know what? I'm wrong. With the season not slated to be starting until then, yes. let's just say replace Christmas time and what I my past statement with halfway through the season. I'm sorry. Keep going. No, I I agree. Um, you know, um, with 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 Ryan, you know, I think if you get him to come in, he is possibly one. Of, I think he's one of the better backups in the league right now. Like, I don't know. There's any debating that man. The guy is more than serviceable. And, you know, if, if you are in a situation where you're going into a playoff run and say, Omar gets hurt, you know, Ryan's a guy that can step in with the right amount of rust to his body. And, you know, um, you know, you know, we all know he takes care of himself, not just uh, physically, but mentally that I can come in and play at a high level. I, and he still can. So, you know, I'd be all for bringing back Ryan Miller, not to mention, man, that's just gonna make the fans happy. The fans would love to see Ryan Miller tonight. Because that has been one thing. And I'm not saying that NHL general or front offices should make decisions to keep fans happy, but let's be honest. A big reason outside of the abysmal record of the Sabres, the fans have been calling for coaches and GMs heads, you know, a lot. Sometimes a move like that to bring back a, a team friendly player can go a long way with the fan base. And I'm not saying that's what keeps your job because we all know that's not what it is. Winning hockey and getting the playoffs and winning Stanley Cups is what, you know, creates job security. So I'm happy you did bring that up, though, because I think that's a big part of playing here in Buffalo. I certainly think it would make the fans happy. So it'll be interesting to see if either one of them falters. And more importantly, if Linus Allmark continues his stretch of injury problems, and I'm not putting that on him, but, you know, the past couple of years, you've seen him not be able to play a full slate you go back to last year I think he clearly cemented himself before his injury as the Sabres number one then he goes down Hutton had that stretch where he didn't win in fucking eight months you know what I mean I think yep. you can look at things a lot differently right mm -hmm. and I think the injury history has to play into it so I think that this is a, another smart aspect of the deal with Allmark is that if you go into arbitration and you get boned with a 3.5 salary right and he gets hurt again. Well, hey, shit happens, but you're still paying him three five, right? Yep. I think this is a, is a good way to see. Hey, can he stay healthy for a full season? All right. Can he be a, a bona fide number one guy? And if he can, Dwayne, I think if you can make this in Hutton and Carter Hutton continues to struggle, I think if you could, you know, get rid of Hutton and bring in Ryan Miller, I like the look of that duo a lot more with Miller's experience and you know ability at this stage in his career to be a solid backup. Not only that, but to you know teach. Teach Allmark, you know, not only how to win and be, a, you know, a, a consistent NHL goalie at the top of the league, but how to do it here in Buffalo. Absolutely, man. Like I said, there's not many more athletes, you know, that at least me, at least me and you have seen in our lifetimes that take more pride in their play in Buffalo than Ryan, guys like Ryan Miller. Um, he did a lot for this community. He cared a lot about this community. He took pride in playing here. He took pride in wearing that sweater. So, you know, I think, you know, if, if he could retire a Buffalo Sabre, he would, because I think, you know, the, the time he spent here meant a lot to him um, and the relationships he made meant a lot to him while here. So I could definitely see that being something that he, he, he would want to do, but again, everything has to line up, you know, everything yes. has to align. The stars have to align for that to happen. Let and I think, I think you're right at that being, that being something like, some point maybe halfway into the season where you could see a deal like that made if, if Carter Hutton just isn't getting it done.
let me set the stage for how I think it could play out in a perfect world. Okay. A couple of things. Uh, we're going to get to this right after this. Um, a couple of the signings that we, we really didn't really touch on might help our penalty kill, but we've always heard. And as a coach, as coaches, now we say it, your best penalty killer has to be your goalie. All right. And that just hasn't been the case as the Sabres penalty kills in the past three years has put them at 26 out of 31 teams. All right. Not, 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 not stellar. All right. Outside of that, um, when when we do allow a breakaway or odd man rush, Carter Hutton's numbers are at the very, very bottom of the league, okay? Now, those are tricky plays for any goalie. But when you have an advanced analytics to sort it out, you get a better picture of what's going on, right? And you'd, you'd hope you'd be in the middle there and you're not with Hutton, all right? With that being said, we haven't had a ton of offensive support. All right. I think that there's only five, five or six goalies in the league that have received um, less support than we have. But hey, you know, as a goalie, you got to give your team a chance to win. You're a lot of times you're playing against the other goalie at the end of the rink. Um, Absolutely. I'll be done in a second. Is we are averaging Hutton's averaging 32 shots against the game. That's right in the middle, man. That's not too much. You've seen certain guys. I think John Gibson was facing upwards of 40. So I mean, as much as that seems like a lot, it's not in the grand scheme of things. All right. And um, Hutton has only achieved a 900 or 900 or above save percentage in 56% of his games. Now, let me, let me say this very clearly, guys. If your goaltender has below a 900 save percent in any given game, you're probably going to lose, okay? And when you're only getting better than that in just over half of your starts with this guy, he's probably not the guy. So my my hope is this. Omar comes in, proves he's the guy. Hutton as a backup just isn't having it, doesn't get that, you know, rhythm in, and he's not our guy. We get rid of him. We bring in Miller. He doesn't have to uproot his family because of the shortened season, compressed season. He can move here. The family can stay where he is. Knowing the end is near in his career, Ryan Miller just comes here, finishes out his season, rents a condo, does whatever he needs to do, provides that stability behind um, Allmark while also, you know, helping him develop into the guy that he could be. Well, Hutton, you know, plays in the federal league i don't know i think that would be picture perfect but listen i have nothing against carter hutton guys i just call it as i see it no i i i agree um and i think at least for both goalie sakes that no matter who it is whether it's carter hutton or you know just throwing again their own ryan miller's name in there um i think the the puck possession numbers for buffalo are going to go up by a lot this season um i think uh, you know we we touched on this you know, before the show, I think the penalty kill is going to be a lot better this season. So that's just going to help your goaltender. You know, when you possess the puck more, you know, that's less that the other team possesses the puck and our puck possession numbers were pretty atrocious last season. I have to imagine, I know you said we were kind of middle in the pack, um, you know, as far as shots on goal, shots Uh, on goal. Right. But that a lot of times that doesn't paint a clear picture to possession. No, it does. It doesn't. But you know what, at the same time, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, how, how many of those shots per game were coming from high danger areas? You know, that, that's another thing. I don't have it in front of me. Yeah, you, you, I, I know. I'm just saying, I got to imagine, even though we were kind of like in the middle of the pack, I mean, just from just memory, I remember we were just giving up a lot of high danger scoring chances almost every single game. So, you know, I got to imagine that's going to improve this season. You Let know, because when you that at you, that'll blow your mind. Okay. You know how I just mentioned that, um, you know, 50% of the time Hutton was a lot, uh, had a save percentage under 900. 
Yep. Okay, so when you factor in that um, the opposing teams average 31, 32 shots per 60 minutes, okay, yep. that means that over half the time that Hutton was in net, the Sabres would need to score four goals to win. Now, listen, you might hope that your team scores four goals. That might be a good bench or good goal to set, but we've seen a, an influx of two to one, three to two games, right? You don't want to go into a game knowing that you need to score four because that's just not a recipe for winning hockey. All right. One other last stat to throw at you. Allmark was stellar at five on five. And my argument is this. We're going to touch on the improved or the plan for an improved penalty kill in a second with three additions that aren't being talked a lot about. If those three additions coupled with, you know, rejuvenated team that has a chance this year can help the penalty kill. All right. Then you take away probably the biggest Achilles heel to Allmark's numbers. But one of his best strengths, he had an even strength save percentage that was at the top of the league. There was only six goalies that were better than him. Can I read them off? Let's hear it. Anton Kadobin. All right. One of the bright spots in the league had a stellar playoff. We see why he has garnered so much attention. He had a 945, which is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Otherworldly. Okay. Tukarask, one of the league's perennial bests at 939. He had an absolute dominant regular season at five on five. Okay. Darcy Cooper, another guy that had a Vesni Vesna worthy. Vesni, what's the Vesni? Is that, is that, is like a, is that like a Dundee award? Yeah. I just had a tooth pulled. So if I sound like a schmelt, go for it. Okay. No, Darcy Cooper at nine, three, four, a guy that had another terrific season. All right. The rest of them, guys that just had statistically good seasons, Tristan Jari and Philip Grubauer at nine twenty nine. All right, that played on good teams, and the Vesna, the Vesni Trophy winner himself, Connor Hellebuck. All right, just to be among that list, that's a compliment. All right, so when you factor in that he is that he had a dominant showing at five on five. Now, when when we get to the penalty kill additions and why I think the penalty kill could be better in, in next year in this next segment, I think you're going to see that Linus Allmark could be having all of the the all the stars aligned for him to be the guy that the Sabres have been waiting for him to be. I, I absolutely agree. Um, like you said, that's a, that's, that's an elite list to be a part of. Um, and, you know, I, like I said, I've been very high on Allmark, you know, most of the season once I, once we, you know, first really began to see how much he improved since the previous season. I've spoken about it with you. Um, you know, he had calmer feet. He was, you know, positionally, you know, he improved immensely. He wasn't relying always so much on his size to make saves rather than again, always being in the proper position. So, you know, it, it's been, it's been a breath of fresh air to see what Mike Bales has been able to do with Omar this past year. And again, as I mentioned before, you make it a lot easier in your goalies when you have the puck more often than you don't. And I think that's about to get, get better, at least for the Sabres with the additions of Taylor Hall and, you know, bring, uh, keep, keeping Sam Reinhardt around and, you know, bringing in a bunch of players that are going to improve your penalty kill. So one I, last, before we transition, one last thing I want to talk about. Okay. The best goalies in the league are able to play on back-to-back nights. Now, usually teams do a good job at preventing that whenever they do have back-to-backs playing, um, you know, other goalies, the Sabres last year recognized that their goalies, neither of them had good numbers back-to-back and I'll get to that one second. So last year, none of the goalies, neither goalie Hallmark or Hallmark or Hutton, 
played back-to-back nights. Now, here's where I think there's going to be a problem. We already know that it's going to be a condensed schedule, right, Dwayne? Right. So well, I mean, it's safe to assume that the, the, they're intent on getting an 82 game season in. Right, right. But not in the, I'm, I'm going out on a limb. I'm not even going on a limb. I'm going to go out and say that they're not going to have the, the, the normal amount of days. I'm not saying it's going to be super jam packed, but it's going to be less days yeah. total overall than normal. Right. Correct. Okay. So um, the best goalies in the league are able to play back to back if they need to. When you look at Allmark and Hutton's numbers, when they've had to play back-to-back, dating back to 2018, mm-hmm. Allmark's save percentage in back-to-back games was an 871. Yep, that's why you need a That's why you need a backup. Okay. That's why you need a reliable backup. So here's my point. When you're coming into a season like this, all right, Hutton's weren't that much better. It was 909, okay? Now, when you, when you factor in last year, on one day's rest, Allmark had a 911. Hutton had an 881. Now, this is what I'm getting at. If you want to be the guy in a condensed season, all right, you need to know that in a pinch, you can play back-to-backs, all right? Mm-hmm. At the very least, be able to play on one day's rest and play well. Correct. As Allmark went on, with two days rest, he had a 920. With three days rest, he had a 936. All good news. You know, it trends upwards, all right? But here's the shitty part. Four days rest or more, he sunk back down to a 908, the lowest of all his stats. My thinking is he's not a guy that's going to excel as a backup. I think we're at the point in his career where if you're going to use him, you use him as your one, you know, and I I think we got to get away from the 1A, 1B question here. I think it's got to be Allmark as your guy. Hutton, unless he went out and got LASIK surgery, he's not going to be the guy. Listen, I would love, folks, I would love to be wrong, proven wrong by Carter Hutton. I was a big Carter Hutton fan as a small goalie myself, but he just hasn't gotten it done. All right. I, I, Cully, honestly, you took one of my talking points right away from me. Um, and you, you, you know, as well as I do, when you, when you're a goaltender, you want to be consistently in the shit. You want to be consistently in net as often as possible. Um, you don't like long layoffs because then you just kind of lose your mojo. You know, you lose, you know, that consistency, that focus, that rhythm you may or may not have had. You want to keep, you want to keep that. Or if you have a bad game, you want to get right back in there and get right back into it. You don't want a long layoff. If we talk about Allmark being the guy, one of the other reasons why I think that the Miller um, replacing Hutton makes sense. Hutton, with more than four days rest, which is the norm for an NHL backup, he had an 886. So, folks, now you're starting to see why my Miller, instead of Hutton, argument makes so much fucking sense. Kevin Adams, I'll take a free beer whenever you want to give it to me. Thank you very much. <laughs> yep. I'll, we'll, we'll, email, we'll email this episode right over to him. Yeah, but, hey, listen, uh-huh. if, if Allmark comes the guy and, and Hutton is forced into that backup role – we're going to need to see a big improvement on days where he uh, he has more than a, or weeks that he has more than a couple of days rest than an 886 because you're not going to win many games with an 886 goaltender in that. No, you're not. And you know it's um, you know it's that's something that still bugs me a little bit. I know where the season doesn't start till January, but and I know you want to get your RFAs you know locked up and prioritize them right now first. But the fact of the matter is, I think we need to address that backup goalie position before. Now, we'll leave it at this and we'll move on because we've talked a lot about goaltending. It's for me, 
the the difference in goal and granted i never made it to the show i got to be in a couple nhl camps to, to be against those guys the difference between the guys that are in the nhl and guys that are in the ahl the khl the dell the the swedish league and, the, and whatever isn't necessarily physical ability they're all very good technical goalies and good athletes it becomes a mixture between your mental and physical which all amounts to consistency okay and here's what bothers me about hutton the most we saw stretches at the beginning of the season where he was fucking lights out yep. between october and november last year he was six two and one with a 928 209 save percent or goals against all right he was fucking electric all right that's the guy Good that can be a starter all right but then november to january he's 04 and 3 with an 855 and a 472 goals against average those are fucking East Coast League numbers. Cully and Dwayne could probably fucking battle to that. All right. January to March. David Ayers on the phone. A little bit, but he was six and eight for a 901 311. Here's my point. He's he if if we get the Hutton from early last season back for an extended stretch. Now I think I changed my tune and think, fuck, maybe we do have a two-headed dragon. We can do the 1A, 1B situation. But if if you fail to be consistent for a third straight year, Carter Hutton, I'm sorry, but the door, do not let it hit you on the way out, my friend. All right, Nice guy, but, you know, we're not here to employ nice guys. We're here to employ guys that are going to help us win hockey games. One last question before we move on from goalies for good. Is the answer, let's just say we can't get a Miller deal done, Carter Hutton um, tears both retinas in his eyes and uses that as an excuse. He's done. Is the answer to that problem in our system with Uka Pekka Lokinen or Jonas Johansson, or would we have to look elsewhere? Go. Well, is Andrew Hammond still under uh, contract with us? The Hamburglar. I don't know, buddy. That's such a good one. Uh, I'm you sorry, know, folks. I, I'm going to go and say no, maybe. No. Um. You know, let me see here. No, because I think Uka Pekka is going up to Rochester this year. I don't think we've re-signed him. You look it up, but while yeah. you're looking that up, um, Jonas Johansson made his NHL debut. He went 1-3-1 one, and one with an 894 save percentage. I'm not going to hang him for that because we did have a, you know, not he didn't come up at the best of times last year, okay? Uh, he was stellar in Rochester where he was an all-star, 14-4-3, save percentage, and a 2-2-8 goals against. Those are AHL numbers you want to see from a, from a goaltending prospect. All right. Uka Pekka Lokinen, um, I don't think he's there yet. I think he could really use a year in the American league as he started. Uh, he started well in Cincinnati. All right. Which is the East coast league for everybody that knows Cully had a cup of coffee there. So don't take it too seriously. All right. He had a 12, seven and three record with a nine, 12 save percentage and a two, two, four. All right. When he got up to Rochester, UPL struggled with a three, four and three record, eight, 74 and a three, one, five. All right. Um, Good news is he right now, this fall, he's back in the finish league with TPS. So let's hope that he can return to uh, some, some prime form coming to Rochester, really give us a good showing. And then, Hey, now we're talking, now we're cooking with gas. But Absolutely, yeah. And Ham- Hammond, you think Hammond that- is a, he is a UFA. I, I did just look at that. So I uh, UPL, I don't want to uh, push him too quick, especially coming after you know coming out of that surgery. You know, I'm sure I'm sure he's he's a, near. I hope he's 100 percent right now. But you know, that's you don't want to rush a kid like him. You know, especially you know when you have a guy like I think with uh, Johansson when he came up, he was serviceable. 
So I think I would go to him first before, you know, ever thinking of bringing up UPL. I think you let UPL just simmer down there in Rochester, you know, if that is the move uh, next season. I and agree. Let him develop. And, uh, you know, like we, like we all know, goalies do take longer to develop. Um, just like uh, goalie podcast uh, hosts, we're still developing over here. Uh, we, we still know. We I got a long know. way to go here, folks. Yeah, we got a long way to go over here. But uh, – no, yeah, moving on, I, I think that we, we hit the nail on that. We talked a lot about goalies. Dwayne, I talked about it a little bit there. One of the reasons why the Sabres um, lost as many games as they did, our penalty kill was so fucking bad. Dwayne, you want to know how bad our penalty kill was? I don't think – tell me. Okay. Since the NHL started tracking penalty kill statistics in 1977, all right, there was a total of 1,091 teams monitored within that period. Where do you think the Sabres finished? among those 1,991 teams over the past 30, 43 plus years? Uh, bottom five. Close, but I like how pessimistic you are, okay? The Sabres ranked 1,039th out of 1,091. That means, folks, that there was 1,052 teams better than the Sabres over that stretch. Listen, our penalty killing was so bad last year. You can talk about coaching, but at the end of the day, Ralph Kruger said, it said it best. All right. We needed to improve the defense on the penalty killing side with some experience. All right. Everything that could go wrong, went wrong last year. The coaches drew up a scheme that just other teams found a way to fucking tear apart. All right. Yep. The players that they chose to put in those roles, they got fucking outworked and outsmarted and just fucking outclassed. All right. On top of that, when penalty kills do break down, sometimes bad penalty kills, bad penalty kills look okay or look better than they are because the goalies can make those saves. Well, guess what? The Sabres goalies ranked at the bottom of the league and on high danger chances last year. All right. That's just the meat of it. Okay. Fortunately for us, we were one of the teams most least, or we're one of the, the league's least penalized teams, but that still doesn't cover up the glaring hole that was our penalty kill. All right. I think on that needs to happen two, two ways of looking at this. Either go back to the drawing board. The coaches take all the responsibility, say, Hey, it was our bad. We need to choose a different scheme. Or you say, ah, the the players, they suck. We just need a new guys. I think the smart approach is what the Sabres are doing saying, listen, all right. We didn't use the players. um, We didn't use the right players in the right spots and our scheme could use work. But with that comes the, you know, that, admitting that you need to bring in some better penalty killer guys. So three of the, three of the free agent acquiries that we, we got to, that we haven't talked much about that maybe a lot of the fans were griping about, but they didn't really see why we did. And I, you know, call me guilty because when we signed Tobias reader, Cody, Eakin, and Matt Irwin, Matt Irwin, especially, I'm like, what the fuck are we doing? Who are, how are these guys going to help us win? I'll tell you how they're going to help us win, Dwayne. They're going to greatly improve our penalty kill, not only because they have experience, because they're role players that have been brought in for a reason. And when you're in the NHL and you're not a star, you're not a top six player, you're a role player, listen, you're going to play your fucking role so well that that's how you fucking make a living. So when these guys are brought in for a reason and they know that reason, they're going to be coming in being, I'm going to be the best goddamn penalty killer in this fucking league. That's why I think it's going to work. So with those three guys, Dwayne, can they help us this year? And what do you like about the three that I mentioned? Um, I absolutely think they, uh, you know, can help us, uh, you know, uh, Ryder, 
Um, I think, you know, he was brought in specifically. The, the first thing they said is this guy's ability to, to kill penalties is, you know, you know, elite. So, you know, when you have a guy like Larson leaving your organization, a guy that you kind of depended on to fill that role, um, you, you, you bring in a guy like Ryder who, again, you said that will, will, will fill that role admirably and at a cheaper cost. Um, I have high expectations for him. Um, again, he wasn't a sexy signing, like you said. Um, but with that being said, um, you have to fill a role and you have to fight, fight, fight and work hard to make this roster because there's a lot of guys, you know, that are fighting for spots on this team. Uh, you know, even Casey Middlestat, you know, we've had that conversation a couple times. He's going to have to fight to even get on the bottom line for this team right now, because I don't know where he fits in. Well, listen, the way that they've been tracking penalty killing statistics is a stat called goals against per 60 minutes, right? Yep. And you know, so the best penalty kills in the league are, are, are the very, very best are six and below. Okay. And that's, that's, that's outstanding. Okay. The worst are nine and above uh, our top, our, our top penalty killers for ice time last year was um, Zemgus Gergensen's. All right. Johan Larson. They, they killed more a uh, hundred minutes more than anybody. Then it was Evan Rodriguez, Vladimir Sabotka, or no, sorry. Then it was, Curtis Lazar, Curtis Lazar, Jimmy VC, Rasmus Asplund, Michael Froelich, Vladimir Sabotka, Evan Rodriguez. Now, their goals against per 60. Can I please go through this? Let's hear it. Evan Rodriguez killed a moderate amount of time. He's no longer with the, the uh, organization. Fucking thank God, because his was 11.62. Fucking see you later. That's atrocious. If, if you fucking are trotting out those kind of numbers, you shouldn't be. When we get a penalty, just fucking walk down the hallway to the locker room, son. Yeah, okay? yeah don't, even bother, don't even bother looking at Ralph to get on the ice. Get to the locker room, hit the showers. So this is why I'm encouraged, because when you look at the, who's no longer with the organization, another name comes up. Jimmy VC. Is he with us, Dwayne? Nope, he is with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Fucking feel it, Toronto. You can enjoy his 9.82 goals against per 60. Um, next up on the list is our one returning guy. And listen, Zemgis Gergensen's kept getting fucking thrown back out there. All right. He didn't fucking look good last year. And um, you know what? He's at 8.7 for his career. Okay. Um, but you know what? I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say we signed him for a reason. Maybe because the coaching staff knows more than us. Maybe they know that the penalty killing scheme that they're adapting is going to be better. But let me finish. Johan Larson, just behind Zemgis Gergensen's with a 9.63. All right. Is he longer with us, Dwayne? Zemgis Gergensen's? Yes. Yeah, he's still with us. I'm sorry. No, Johan Larson. Johan Larson. Yeah. Uh, no, he is no longer with us. He is with Arizona, signed for $1.2 million. So when, when you talk about, okay, when you, when you, when you, when you get him out of the mix, who's going to replace him? Cody Eakin, my friend, he has been something of a penalty killing concierge. Okay. I don't even know if I use that word or even said it correctly, but throughout his career, he's been stellar. Tour, is that averaging, yeah, averaging over a hundred, um, averaging over a hundred minutes in penalty kill time his whole career, except last year when he came in just under at 91 minutes. All right. His career goals against per 60. All right. Looking at this numbers for penalty kill hovers right around seven. He had one year in 2016 when he was at 12.86. Who huh, fuck it. But it, whenever you're figuring out the averages, you take out the highest number, you take out the lowest number. All right. So when you do that, you here's reading off his past, his whole career, 7.52, 7.06, 7.0, then the 
835-755-78. All right? That's fucking pretty damn good. You got to love those numbers. Oh, you know, that's what I'm saying. He's excited to be here. All right? And here's a direct quote from Eakin. The structure has to be in place and you have to make reads. You have to have that chemistry with the guys you're playing with. You're going to need big saves regardless of when it happens. You just have to have that willingness as a unit to do what it takes getting in those lanes. All right. Love to hear that. And when, like I said, it goes back to when you're a role player in the NHL, you're going to fucking do whatever it takes to play your role. You're not a fucking goal scorer. Leave that to Taylor Hall. All right. You're not a fucking dominant centerman like fucking Jack Eichel is getting up and down the ice. You're here to fucking play your role. And I think Cody Eakin knows that he's a fucking veteran. He's coming in here hungry. He needs to put food on this fucking table. And Dwayne, how's he going to do that? He's going to get sticks and lanes. He's going to block shots. He's going to sell it in the goddamn yeah. penalty kill. He'll block a and shot with his left nut if he has to. You know Cody what? And my it, guy. He sounds like a guy in, you know, Everything I've heard from him so far, he sounds like a guy who takes pride in it. He takes pride in his ability to kill penalties. When coaching uh, for as long as I did, one of the kids that uh, I, I loved, I loved coaching. His name was Anthony Russell. We called him Russ Banger. This kid loved. He loved. It was almost he loved it when we took penalties because he would My go out there. My favorite type of player. They take pride he, to play. He would go out there and he would thrive, and he, you know he would have control of that penalty kill unit and. You know, it was very, very, very rare when Anthony was on the ice, you were giving up a power play goal. Um, the guy took pride in it. He would lay it, lay out his body to stop, to block shots. And you know what? He always, he would, you know, he, he was one of those guys who would create scoring chances in the penalty kill. And I mean, that's something. Granted, that granted he's going to hate me. Say, he's going to hate year. me saying this. He's going to hate me saying this. I can't tell you the number of times I watched this kid get shorthanded breakaways and shoot it right into the chest. <laughs> hey, but at least he's taking away time from them having scoring chances in his end. But besides that last point, when you were talking about it, you know who came to mind? Okay. Not fucking Vladimir Sabotka or Jimmy VC or Evan Rodriguez. Tobias Reeder, because this guy's another penalty killing fucking stud. Right, Reader, right. 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 He's had a little bit shorter career than Eakin, but we're talking about goals against per 60, right? One other thing of note, talking about his time on ice for penalty kill, all right? Here's his, here's his over his past seven years. His rookie year, 91 minutes on, on the PK. Next year, 160. Love it. The year after that, 191. Probably led the league that year. What a fucking machine. After that, 93, 88, and 88 again last year. Now, that's impressive, but not as impressive as his goals against per 60. Because you go from 9.19 his rookie year, yeah, like we talked about, that's in line with what we had last year. Then it dips down to 7.52, pretty damn fucking good. The next year, 6.99, even better. The year after that, 7.8, all right? The la in 2018-19, 8.1, you're thinking, uh, maybe not. All right, he's on a very weak team. Last year, 5.43. That's my kind of guy. I, you know, like I was going to say, if you can get yourself below seven, you're doing real well for yourself. To get below six. If you must below six, you're the fucking top penalty killer in the league, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right, so that's why Reader's my guy, all right? And here's a quote from him, okay? But before I read it, he has had stops in Calgary and Edmonton, Arizona, I think in LA, all right? And here's the thing. Each of those teams had trust in him to make him a regular member of the penalty killer. So this is a guy that knows his role. He knows why we're bringing him in. This is what he had to say about it. It's just reading the game, knowing where the puck is going to be on the penalty kill. And then it just comes down to work ethic. Just outwork the other guys on the ice. I've done that for a bunch of years now in this league, and I really take pride in that. If that doesn't fucking ring true to Buffalo Sabres fans, I don't know what fucking will. 
I know, love to hear shit like that. And you know what, Charlie? You guys like him and Eakin, instead of those fucking scum buckets that I just mentioned, I'm fucking happy about it. Absolutely. You know, and like, again, another guy who just takes pride in his role as a penalty killer. He knows that's how he's going to earn his paycheck. He knows that's how what's going to keep him in the league. He takes pride in it. So, you know, bring me more guys like him. You know, again, I know a lot of us were upset, myself included, when when free agency opened. We opened up free agency with a bunch of lower ends. Well, we opened it up with $2.2 million contract a year for Zemgus Gergensens and then all these $700,000 contracts and guys like Reader. Um, but, you know, it's, you know, he, he serves a purpose. He fills a role. And if guys like him and Cody Eakin are going to, you know, uplift a very dreadful penalty kill from last season and put us near the top of the league as far as penalty killing goes, you know what? That just makes this team better. You know, we're already taking steps forward. Um, we saw what this team could be last season. Um, yeah. And I, and, you know, call me the optimistic Buffalo Sabres fan. Um, obviously it's the signing of Taylor Hall helps that, but you know, these small signings, they have me feeling optimistic. I, the only thing I just, I just need, I need, I need, I need, more stability in my backup goaltending role, and I need more stability on my blue line. Well, you couldn't have said it better myself, but one thing I want to talk about, those two guys should make you feel good about what we're trying to do. At least, you know what, bad teams, they go into the next season and they don't identify their areas of weakness and they don't address it and make it better. At least this shows me that we admit we fucked up. Steve Smith and Ralph Kruger admit, hey, we got to be better, okay? And they bring in guys role player guys that know their role that do it well and the one word that came back with both of them is taking pride in what you do the best penalty kill i was ever a part of okay was doggy smith he ran it in windsor he's now the head coach of the ottawa the ottawa senators Dwayne. and you know what he said even though ryan ellis was our best power play 50 goal scorer you know what ellie told me when i first got there we were in practice, all right, and I, I had shitty practice habits when I got there coming from Sarnia, and you know as a goalie, when you're taking – as the backup goalie, when you're taking uh, the, the power play stuff, uh, like you're playing in the penalty kill, you're, you're going to get blasted, right? You're going to give up goals. It's a tough spot for a goalie, but it's challenging. I get in there, and I start busting my ass because Ellie, one time I let the softy on the power play, he said, Cully, fucking wake up. Take pride in what we do here. This was a guy that's fucking on the penalty kill in practice, even though he didn't need to be, wearing his fucking shot blockers on his feet, had 50 goals, won Love two the shot blockers. Love the shot blockers. And he's fucking telling me to take more pride in our practice penalty kill. That's when I woke up and realized – Fuck, I love this guy. I love this team. And that's sounding like what the Sabres are trending towards. The last point I'm going to make on the penalty kill, another new signing that perhaps got a little bit more attention than the other two, Eric Stahl. Now, here's a guy that although over the past two years, he hasn't spent much time on the kill, all right? He's no stranger to it either. During uh, during the five-year stretch, Dwayne, from 2010 to 2016, can I give you his uh, goals on ice per 60 for the penalty kill? Let's hear it. 6.3, 7 7.5, 6.2, 6.0, 5.8. Never dipped above seven. So this is a guy that if needed, okay, even though he's 36, even though he's going to be playing top six center, okay, if we need to, he can get in there. And here's the other thing, okay, 
We need to be better. That we all know that the key to a key to a good PK is being able to win draws. That's why I think losing Ryan O'Reilly hurts us so much because he was consistently in the fifty to fifty-five range. All right, people that are strangers to hockey, they think, well, you know, fifty is average, fifty-fifty. No, 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 my friends, it doesn't work like that. Even the best in the league don't get above sixty. All right, on any given night, if your center's above sixty, he's fucking that hot. The, the key is here, you're not going up to the same center every time. So it's not a 50-50 true split, all right? So if you can beat a 52-53, you're one of the best centers in the league. So if we can have just a little bit better face-off percentage, we're going to be great, all right? When you look at who took the draws for us last year, it was a mix of Johan Larson and Curtis Lazar, all right, on the PK. Curtis Lazar was 42.1%. Johan Larson was 46.8%, all right? Cody Eakin, all right? He's flirting around that 49% average range for his career. That sounds a little bit better than the two I just mentioned, does it not? Yeah, it does sound a lot better. Eric Stahl's PK, face-offs, all right? The last six years, 49, 46, 42, 52, 49, 44. Sounds a little bit better than what I just mentioned, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So – my big thing is this. Listen, you got to make it tough on your opponents from getting easy goals, all right? I think with Eakin, Reader, Stall, I think you're going to come back to all three having pride in what they do, all right? You have a coach like Ralph Kruger that, that prides himself on the use of analytics, all right? I think that this is a big reason why these guys, although not flashy, were the reason why we signed them, all right? And if they stood out to us, they definitely stood out to the coaching staff, all right? And if you look at our six or five or six shorthand goals last year, that was a tie for 20th, I think, in the league. All right. When we only had 26 shorthanded goals in the past five seasons, that's definitely in the bottom of the league. All right. (laughs) Just maybe Stahl with his 19 shorthanded goals in career. All right. Eakin has 10. Reader has five. You're probably going to, you're probably going to see Eric Stahl probably playing your second penalty kill unit too. I got to imagine they're, they're probably going to push, you know, reader and um i mean does Ger- I mean, gergensen does he still play on your penalty kill unit i don't I absolutely mean, i think he does absolutely, I think yeah he does. and so, the reason why i think he does i think the reason why he does and i think he's going to be better is because he's no longer just looked at to be the only guy that's yep. that's his role all right i think you had a lot of guys last year that thought that they were better than than they were in the lineup because you didn't have a true top six right you had a top line but then maybe a top four right but then you had guys like evan rodriguez they publicly quoted that he wanted more he thought he had deserved more ice time evan go fucking take out a mop and start sweeping up wegmans you fucking mutt all right pittsburgh doesn't even want you my point is this you know a lot of guys that thought that they should have been higher up in the lineup i'll tell you what goal scores in the nhl they don't think they're they're they think they're above penalty killing that's just the way it is guys all right i'm sorry but when you got guys coming in and their paycheck is because of their penalty kill, that's going to fucking breed good results. I'm you're sorry. Only, I got a little heated there. All right. I'm a fucking you're only, you're only throwing. guy. And I think that we just did a little deep dive into what we can expect if the Sabres right their wrongs. And when you have a top ranked penalty kill, I guarantee you it's going to result in more wins. You look at the teams that make the playoffs every year and there's no fucking, it's no coincidence that the teams that have the best PK are consistently in the top of the fucking league you know again you're only throwing your elite goal scorers out there if you absolutely you're on a you're in a situation where you need to score a goal exactly. like, it's the only time you're throwing jack eichel out there 
or it's at the end of the game, you're at the end of the game, maybe they have an open net. That, that's when you're throwing Jack Eichel out there. Right. Um, and so. you know what? Using them sparingly because, listen, one of the biggest things about being a PKer, you got to be willing to block shots. Do you want to lose, lose Jack Eichel because of a fucking uh, a broken ankle? No. All right. And I'm not saying you want to lose anybody to it, but you got to save a guy that's going to be playing 33 minutes a night or 27 minutes a night, even strength. You don't need and power play. You don't need to use them there. That's why you sign guys like Reader, Jurgensen's, um, all those guys. All right. Now, Dwayne, before we end our show, I really want to talk to you about something. All right. We didn't touch on Olofsson. You know, we're hoping that gets done. I think the Sabres are hovering right around five and a half million dollars in cap space. Two things I wanted to ask you. If we get Olofsson signed and have a little bit of cap space left, um, who is a free agent target that you want to look at? And, and you know what, maybe take away the money for a second. Is there anybody that sticks out left on the open market that you think could be a great fit here for the Sabres? Well, it's hard for me to take the money aspect out of it, but I, I, the two names I've absolutely been over with you already is uh, Anthony Duclair and um, Travis Hamanek. Sammy Votnin's a nice name too. I think he's going to cost you a little bit more than a, than a Hamanek. But um, I, I really need to bring more stability to my blue line. Um, you know, what we, what we ran with last season didn't work. Um, we, we have to try and limit Ristolainen's minutes because it looks like that guy is going to retire a Sabre 15 years from now at this point. So I don't think he's, I don't think he's ever leaving the, leaving the team. So um, we got to try and limit to him, you know, because he was much more effective playing, on, uh, playing limited minutes last season. If you can keep him right around 16, 17 minutes a night on your second pairing, I think you're doing pretty well for yourself. And you, you could probably fill on your second power play unit. But, you know, you got to bring in a guy who's going to take take the pressure off Rasmus Dahlin and, and uh, Henry Yokiarju. So, you know, a guy like Hamannick, I, I, I think he would be capable of doing that on a short-term contract. And, you know, um, again, Anthony Duclair, it was a nice, like, feel-good story for him last season. I know he was – you know, he struggled a lot, had a lot of high expectations coming coming into the league as a high draft pick. Uh, never really met those expectations. And last year he had a great season, you know, uh, he was in the all-star game, um, really turn, turned things around for himself. So I'd like to see a guy like him try and bring that that type of uh, mentality and that effort over here to Buffalo and see what he can do with it here, you know, as like a middle, uh, as like a middle, uh, you know, middle guy, you know you know, maybe play on your third line or maybe fill in on your second line from here or there. I like it. And listen, um, you look at, you look at Duclair, especially and and, and just tell me a little bit about his feel good story. Cause here's a guy, you know, I knew, you knew who he was. Um, you know what? Cause he got into a little bit of shit with the front of the program, John Tortorella, but listen, a lot of players do. He was almost written of course, off the NHL. For, for what happened in Columbus. And listen, that's not a knock on Duclair. It's not a knock on Johnny T. Johnny Tortorella is a hard coach to play for, but he gets the most out of his guys. And he isn't the first player. He won't be the last that wears out his, wears out his welcome with, with, with coach like Tortorella and a place like Columbus. All right. It was almost like he was written out of the league though, Dwayne. What happened after that? Um, you know, he comes into New was it, uh, New York. No, 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 the Senators. Sorry, he was he was in New York, and then comes to the Senators and really turns things around for him on a struggling Senators team. He became a role player. He became a guy that was looked upon, you know, for uh, from a leadership aspect. You know, he was a guy that you know, you know, performed at a high level on a bad team and was a bright spot for them. 
I'd say so, Dwayne. Since being traded to the Senators in 87 games, he's notched 31 goals and 54 points. Not so bad, right? I think there, when given a chance, like you said, to, to show what he can do, he showed a toolbox full of flash and a quick release shot, right? He's got good boots, and he's able to, to get up and down the ice, be a good transition player. And on top of that, he's got a sick pair of hands, buddy. His playmaking ability is not the greatest, all right? Let's not kid ourselves. Anytime you have 54 points and 31 of them are goals, I think we know that he's a shoot-first player, all right? But when you got plenty of setup man in your lineup like the Sabres do, maybe he's the fucking missing piece to be in that true fucking going from having a top six to a top nine. All right. What's, what, what's the one negative about him? Defensively, he's fucking atrocious. All right. One of the league's worst. All right. Maybe playing for a coach like Ralph Kruger, a player's coach that can get the most out of his guys could work for him. I'm not sure. All right. But it's going to take a good fit. All right. I, I think that. Um, at $3 million a year, could you make that work? I don't know. Would you rather have him or Dominic Cahoon? I would honestly, um, man, that's a tough question, isn't it? That is is a tough question. I think, I think the ceiling for Duclair is higher, but I think you know what you're getting from Dominic Cahoon. You're probably getting like a 40, a 40 point player. Um, if you put in the right position, right situation. Um, honestly, I would say Duclair. I think I would say Duclair. I think you get, I think he has a little bit of a higher ceiling for me. Um, but I love Dominic Cahoon. Um, and I think, you know, judging from comparables, what you're getting in free energy, you can get Dominic Cahoon pretty cheap at this point. You hope so. I've seen some being talked about him as high as three and a half, some being talking about two and a half. You know what? I think it, it's a numbers game. And like with everything we've talked about, it's the uncertain future that we have with the economy with the NHL salary cap not being, not raising, remaining at 81 and a half. All right. A lot of teams, you know, before this virus hit, were were so convinced that the cap was going to rise over the next two years. All right. That they were, you gotta, you gotta remember folks, a lot of these GMs are making these deals, assuming, or not even assuming, counting on that cap space being there. And you're seeing a whole host of teams in what we like to call cap hell. The, the, the reigning Stanley Cup champions, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they're $8 million over the cap right now. Yeah, and you know, with, that is with them waving Taylor or Tyler Johnson. All right. You know, Nobody picked them up. And they, and per Elliot Freeman on the instigators, the, the, the Lightning asked if Steven Stamkos would consider uh, waving his no movement clause. All right. Now, hey, now if that's true, Dwayne. I need to go back four episodes when I told you that there's no way that he would be traded, and I and, and and I fucking convinced you of it, and I went out and deleted it out of the episode. I am a fucking asshat, and I will take responsibility. I thought there was no way ever. You were right. I was wrong. I'm sorry, buddy. You no, know, it, it is. You know, it is what it is. I you know. I, I I'm sorry. They just proved that they can win the Stanley Cup without Steven Stamkos, We're captain or not. I don't care how much you can pay. They proved they could do it. And what's more important to your team? Remember, Braden Point's not on a long-term deal. He was like, he signed a three-year bridge deal for $20.5 million. So you stick it with an average of 6.75. So a $10 million player, easy. Yeah, and he he signed that bridge deal off of a 90-point season. 
he, he knows what he's worth. And he's saying, this is again, no, those buy on yourself type deals. I want to show that I can, you know, I can do this long-term and possibly make more money because obviously he saw the, the advantages of staying in Tampa Bay. It's tax-free down there. Yeah, um, one of the things that I'm going to, I'm going to tease it. I'm sorry, Dwayne. One of the things we're going to talk with Stephen Wachinski about our next guest is going to be that, that lure of playing in a tax-free market and just how that dominates the NHL free agent landscape. Who's, who's Stephen Wachinski? Oh, Greg Wyshynski. No. Greg Wyshynski. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. There it is. There it is. Stephen Wino and Greg Wyshynski. Oh, man. They were on Puck Soup together. I'm sorry, Greg. Oh, fuck. Who do we have coming on next week? Greg Wyshynski. Oh, shit, Greg. I'm sorry, buddy. That's on me. So, uh, yeah, the, 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 the next uh, next week's episode will feature uh, Greg Wyshynski. Analyst. Well, my point being is we're going to – I'm going to pick his brain because he's gotten to that a couple times. Oh, yeah. at, at, at the NHL potentially, you know, leveling the playing field. And if they don't, just how, you know, two of the teams that happened – or three out of the four teams that were in the – three of the four teams that were left alive in the conference finals just happened to be from tax-free states. Not a big deal. You know, maybe it's a huge deal. Um but- but again, but again, but again, Cully, Cully, it's, you know, he, he also has a Braden point and obviously realized the situation he's in with Tampa, the, that there's a, an ability to have sustained success there, sustained runs at cups. So I think that's another reason why, not just because it's tax-free and he's still going to make bank. He, and, uh, he knows that he's going to continuously have that sustained success, both as a team and individually, and he's going to get paid more in the long run. He absolutely is going to. So, you know what's uh, crazy yeah. to me? They're asking um, Stephen Stamkos reportedly yeah. if, he'd, if he'd waive his no move clause. Here's a guy in Stamkos that signed for like two and a half million dollars less than he would have gotten anywhere else, and now it's gonna blow up in his fucking face. Oh, that's tough. Oh man, you know what, Dwayne? This has been a great episode. Anything you want to add here before we sign off? Because we covered a lot. I think we. You know what? It's going to be an interesting season, and I can't wait for for the, the the guests that you've lined up over the next month. I know our fans are going to get a big kick out of um, coming up next with fucking Steve West, son of a bitch. Greg, I apologize, but hey, Greg, for those of you who don't know, look him up. This guy is an absolute fucking stud, one of the best in the business. Yep, absolutely, man. And uh, well, I was really excited to uh, go back and forth with him by email and really set up this date. Um, but Again, man, um, as far as last thoughts, um, j- again, just looking at the what's left here in free agency, you got you have guys like Michael Granlin who's still out there. You know, obviously the big biggest name is Mike Hoffman, but, you know, that's kind of unrealistic. Ilya Kovalchuk's still out there. He's probably looking for a one-year deal. Um, Good article you know, on The Athletic about uh, Kovalchuk waiting for the uh, the right, um, the right time, I believe it is. I'm uh, pulling it up here. Interesting article. Um, Ilya Kovalchuk awaiting for right place, right time for the NHL return um, by Pierre Lebrun, one of the best. Um, Ilya Kovalchuk hopes we haven't seen the last of him in an NHL uniform. The 38-year-old Russian star is based in Miami with his family these days, waiting out what the NHL landscape will look like this coming season. Keeping in touch with his agents, Pat Brisson and J.P. Berry of CA Sports, he hopes there's one last crack at it for him. And it's what has been a sparkling career, both on both, I'm sorry, on both sides of the ocean. So yep. uh, real quick quote from Kovachuk. I'm training to keep myself in shape. I talk to Pat all the time. He keep me posted, but I'm in no rush. When we find the right place, right fit, that's good for everybody. Absolutely. 
Um, again, you know, I could never imagine Ilya Kovalchuk being in a Buffalo Sabres uniform, but I never thought we'd see Taylor Hall in a Buffalo Sabres uniform. So, you know, Interesting note about Kovalchuk, it was a big deal when he signed with the Kings for 6.25. All right. But he got released from that, ends up signing for the league minimum with Montreal at 700,000. He was a fucking stud there. All right. He yep. put up 13 points in 22 games, including fucking six goals. The yep. half fans loved him. All right. A great move by, um, oh, no, I'm blaming Bergevin, all right? He did a great job. Bergevin said everyone loved him on our team. He brought energy, all right? He loves the game. For him, it's not work. It's the love of the game. And if you ask me one thing about him, I would tell you how much he loves the game. Yep. And uh, Kobe loved his time in that market. He turned that into a trade to Washington at the deadline, put up four points in seven games before the shutdown, all right? But just like everybody else on that cap team, that Washington team, when they came back, they were fucking flat. All right. Flat. So, I mean, no excuses for him there. He, he, he had a great resurgence in Montreal and, and, and then in Washington right before the shutdown. I uh, just wasn't able to find that spark afterwards. But you know what? I think he makes the game of hockey better. And I look forward to seeing, you know, if he's willing to sign. And here's the thing, though. I don't think he's willing to sign for the league minimum now. But if he loves the game that much and that's all that's being offered, hell. If you could pick up a guy like that and he fits a role for you at 700,000, fucking tell me where to sign. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, again, like he's, he, you know, he, he's an electric player, especially you know, when he, when he finds the open ice, you know, there's not many more, more exciting players to watch than him. Uh, and other, other names too are available are guys like Eric Halla. I've always, always been an Eric Halla guy. Um, also, you know, floating out there still. Um, I know he's one year removed from a 30 goal season. Uh, Andreas, uh, excuse me if I butcher his last name, Athensu. 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 Athensu, yes. Um, another guy who could be, you know, probably, you could probably get on a, on a very, uh, on short term and a low price tag. There's a lot of names out there, man, that I think could help this roster quite a bit. And I'd like to see, you know, I'd like to see what the, the Sabres decide to do. But like I said, First thing you got to do, I think, is do something with your blue line. Well, we won't know. They won't do anything until November 4th. That's a Wednesday coming up, and that is Victor Olofsson's arbitration. So we will have next week's episode coming at you right around then. Hopefully we have good news. The Sabres are two for three right now at avoiding their arbitration cases, getting something done. Hopefully Victor Olofsson is among those others in Allmark and Reinhardt when able to lock up a friendly team deal. All right. And he's a guy, I, honestly, I wouldn't mind locking him up for three, four years, even if it does cost you five. All right. He's somebody that I think in three years, if he's making 5 million, I think we're going to look back and say, Holy fuck. He's underpaid. I think he could be now. Hey, I'm not trying to get too horny here. I'm not saying he's Braden point. Cause they're different players. He's not a center, but I think he has the caliber to be an all-star. I think he can be a 30-goal guy consistently with the right players, especially as the Sabres team gets more deep in and out of the – in our forward group gets more deep. I think that even if he's not on that top line, he's going to be a tough assignment to cover. And whether he's playing with Eichel and Hall, all right, or fucking Stahl and Skinner, I think – or Reinhardt and fucking Eakin, I don't know. I think he's going to be a dangerous player, all right? And I think that you heard it from um, – who said it? Well, one of the all-time greats was talking about it. That's been chicklets about his release. Ryan Whitney talks about it all the time that this guy's got one of the best NHL releases or the best shot releases he's ever seen. Got and one I, of the sexiest, he's got one of the sexiest releases in the league, Cully. And Jack Eichel even said said it right on Spit and Chicklets. He said when talking about Olsen, this guy can score forty in his sleep. 
I love it. I love it, Dwayne. It's been a great episode, all right? Brought to you by Mitt's Barbershop, all right? And like I said, Dwayne, next episode is going to be even more electric. I can't wait. I don't know how you keep pulling these fucking A-list fucking interviews out of your ass, but I love it. I ain't complaining. Please tune in. Check out our sponsors, all right? We, we love what they do for us. Dwayne, any final thoughts? You know, um, let's can't wait till Wednesday to see. Hopefully, uh, we're avoiding arbitration with Victor Olofsson. Uh, you know, I'm excited to see what Kevin Adams has up has up his sleeve for that. And hopefully, maybe we're talking about another signing outside of that. You know, we'll see. I don't know. Like, I, I'm very optimistic. You know, with uh, with the state of the Bills, you know, they lost two in a row, and they, you know, they had an ugly one here against a very, very, very bad Jets team. Uh, it's like the Sabres have no longer been the stepchild the past couple of weeks. They've been the good child. It's been nice for the, the Bills to take some of the heat away from them. But until we find a way to consistently win, the Sabres will be that redheaded, ugly stepchild. But that'll do it for us here at Two Goalies, One Mike. Episode 36 was a doozy here with a deep dive into free agency and our penalty kill. Brought to you by Better Biscuit and Mitt's Barbershop. I'm Johnny Cullen for Dwayne Steinell. We'll see you next week with Greg Wyshynski. This podcast is brought to you by Better Biscuit. Better Biscuit is a hockey training tool designed to help you develop your game. These fiberglass reinforced pucks are developed to handle less than perfect surfaces, enabling hockey players of all ages to practice their skills in their driveway, basement, or schoolyard, honing their skills whenever and wherever possible. It comes in two different styles. The Better Biscuit Sniper helps players develop forehand, backhand, one-touch, saucer, drop passing, and shooting, ideal for perfecting those toe drags, puck control, and stick handling. The other option is the Better Biscuit Passer. The passer will help you develop softer hands and help you become more accurate with your passes and stick handling. will also help you improve your puck possession confidence for any skill level. Be sure to check out Better Biscuit at betterbiscuit.net for all your hockey training needs. Thanks again for all your support and be sure to check out Better Biscuit. Now back to the show. This podcast is brought to you by Mitt's Barbershop, created and owned by a true friend of the program, Justin Gritsky. Mitt's is a modern day barbershop that provides a cool atmosphere featuring some of the greatest barbershops Buffalo has to offer. Come in, enjoy a free beer, play some video games, and get the best haircut in the area. When I asked Justin what sets Mitts apart from the evil chain super-duper cuts that we see at every intersection, his answer says it all. My vision was to create the only true barbershop in Cheektowaga. When customers walked in, I wanted them to get that feeling they got when they strolled into the barbershops of old, the golden era of what a barbershop meant, not just a place to get your hair cut. So if you're looking for the real deal, come on down to Mitts to get the real feel of what a true barbershop is and what it's supposed to be. The clear-cut top dog for all your haircutting needs. Look no further than Mitts Barbershop. And when you mention that two goalies and one mic sent you in, receive $5 off your haircut that day. Talk about customer service at its finest. Located at 3461 Genesee Street in Cheektowaga, it is located right next door to the 33 Speakeasy Bar and Grill. Their phone number is 868-1424, and their hours are 
Monday, 12 to 6, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. On Saturday, they're open from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. and closed on Sundays because why not? Everybody deserves a little Sunday fun day. I want to finish this ad read off by reading a great testimonial from one of Mitt's loyal customers. Tired of the cookie cutter salons trying to get your attention? Also tired of those men-focused salons? Then when you leave, you feel like you just visited a Supercuts for Men and the haircut isn't any better? Then Mitt's is the place for you. Great cut, very professional, great atmosphere. A great place for men to get cut and trimmed up. I'm honestly a little sad I'm only visiting Buffalo because I need something like Mitt's back home. You heard it here first. Come on down to Mitt's for a great cut and an even better experience. We're happy to have them as a sponsor to the show, and we hope you join us in finding out what makes Mitt's just so special. Thanks again to Justin and all the hard work him and his staff do. And without further ado, we'll kick it back to Two Goalies, One Mike. Come on, let's go to the Blue Hotel. The podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares. It's for the open-minded, the pleasure seeker. It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag and Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.